This podcast is intended for healthcare professionals only. Welcome to the Oncology Knowledge into Practice podcast, where we discuss game-changing topics in clinical oncology with leading experts in the field. In this first series, we're looking at a relatively new class of drugs, the immune checkpoint inhibitors. This episode is supported by an educational grant from Merck, Sharp and Dome Corp, who have had no influence on the content or choice of faculty. If you'd like to check out any of the publications that we mention in this episode, there's references and links for these in the episode notes. We're your hosts, Hannah Wilgar and Andre Grassa. In today's episode, we're going to consider best practice approaches to using immune checkpoint inhibitors, specifically in metastatic head and neck squamous cell carcinoma. To answer our questions on this topic, we welcome the expertise of Dr. Frédéric Peyrad, Head of Clinical Research and Professor of Oncology at the Antoine Lacassagne Cancer Center in France. But first, we'll spend a few minutes covering the available published literature. If you're already familiar with this topic, do feel free to skip ahead to the interview at the five-minute mark. Last episode, we explored the role of immunotherapies in NSCLC, an area where checkpoint inhibitors have been part of routine practice for several years. This week, we wanted to highlight an area where they are relatively new additions to the treatment pathway, head and neck cancer. Both pembrolizumab and nivolumab have received EMA and FDA indications in head and neck squamous cell carcinoma, or HNSCC. These approvals represent the first new therapy for patients with metastatic, unresectable HNSCC since 2006. However, in the absence of up-to-date guidelines, how should these agents be used? Let's start with the labels. Both nivolumab and pembrolizumab are indicated as monotherapy for the treatment of recurrent or metastatic HNSCC in adults who have progressed on or after platinum-based chemotherapy with the additional caveat for pembrolizumab that the patient's tumors must express pdl one with a greater than 50% tumor proportion score. In addition to this, pembrolizumab has been awarded a first-line indication by both regulatory bodies. The EMA label notes that pembrolizumab may be given as monotherapy or in combination with platinum and 5-FU chemotherapy for first-line treatment of metastatic or unresectable recurrent HNSCC in adults whose tumors express pdl one with a combined positive score of 1 or above. The FDA label is similar but only requires this pdl one expression for monotherapy. The combination of pembrolizumab, platinum, and 5-FU is otherwise a first-line option for all adults with HNSCC with metastatic or unresectable recurrent disease, regardless of pdl one status. It's important to note here that both TPS and CPS scores are used in HNSCC indications. More information on these scores is available on our previous episode on pdl one status. So at first glance, these indication criteria seem clear enough. Those with high PDL1 expression are candidates for pembrolizumab at first line, and all patients are eligible for either checkpoint inhibitor as monotherapy at second line. But in practice, where do these fit into available treatment pathways? And when is a combination of immunotherapy and chemotherapy preferable? Unfortunately, both ESMO and NCCN guidelines are outdated in the therapy area. However, in the absence of these society's guidance, the Society for Immunotherapy of Cancer, or SITC, has published a consensus statement on the use of checkpoint inhibitors in HNSCC. This document, published by Cohen et al. in 2019, recommends the following. 
In the first-line setting, pembrolizumab monotherapy may be used to treat patients with treatment-naive recurrent or metastatic HNSCC with a pdl one CPS equal to or above 1. All other treatment-naive biomarker unspecific recurrent or metastatic HNSCC may receive the combination of pembrolizumab, platinum, and 5-FU. In the second-line setting, pembrolizumab or nivolumab monotherapy should be used to treat patients with R-MHNSCC who are platinum refractory, including those who progressed within six months of platinum-based chemotherapy. Alternatively, if a clinical trial is available, the guideline state enrollment in such trials is the preferred option, especially if biomarker-based and hypothesis-driven. In both lines, patients should receive initial clinical follow-up within one month for identification of immune-related adverse events, and then every three months for treatment response via radiographic imaging. Finally, patients should not automatically be disqualified for immune checkpoint therapy based on their age, presence of lung metastases, comorbidities, or autoimmune diseases. While this consensus statement presents a useful initial set of recommendations for consideration, there are still a number of unanswered questions surrounding optimal treatment selection and sequencing in this therapy area. To discuss these topics and begin help to address them, we are joined this week by Dr. Frederic Peyrad, Head of Clinical Research and Professor of Oncology at the Antoine Lacassagne Cancer Center in France. So hi Dr. Peyrad, thank you so much for joining us today. So to start with our first question, do you agree with the SITC consensus statement on which patients with HNSCC should receive immunotherapy? Um, so regarding the uh, clinical trial, the phase three study available in first-line treatment or in second-line treatment for a metastatic patient, I think that uh, obviously the, the answer is yes, because uh, we have... Uh, at least two uh, uh, positive clinical trials, which demonstrated the uh, uh, impact of um, immunotherapy in first-line treatment and second-line treatment in terms of PFS and overall survival. So the question, in my opinion, the real question is not if the patient should receive immunotherapy, but it, it would be more interesting to, to focus on when the patient should receive immunotherapy and for how long. I think it would be crucial to answer to the, to the uh, two questions in, in the very near future. Okay, great, thank you. So, uh, considering the European label requires a confirmed PDL1 status for both pembrolizumab monotherapy and combination with chemotherapy, what factors should be considered when selecting between both approaches? Are there particular predictive factors that would warrant a combination over monotherapy? Um, it's a difficult question, actually, because we know that um, pembrolizumab alone um, is, in, is uh, able to induce a very prolonged uh, response and overall survival. We know uh, as well that the overall response rate of pembrolizumab alone is weak, only uh, roughly it's 17%. And we know that there is no big difference between the overall response rate of pembrolizumab plus chemotherapy versus the conventional uh, first-line treatment with cisplatinum, cetuximab, uh, uh, and 5-FU. It means that the addition of chemotherapy to spanolizumab 
doesn't seem to uh, to improve the uh, overall efficacy of the treatment. Um, so if you th if you think that uh, uh, that the patient will be sensitive to uh, immunotherapy, uh, I think that pembrolizumab alone will be sufficient. The, the, the question in first-line treatment is about chemotherapy alone. I mean, you know, the conventional uh, first-line treatment with cisplatinum, cetuximab, and, and now with cisplatinum, cetuximab, and, and docetaxel, reported by Joel Guiguet at ASCO in the TPEX trial. Because we know that the overall response rate of 12 weeks of the TPEX protocol is roughly 80% of patients. But the duration of the response is quite short, with uh, uh, five to six months. So it means that if you if you have to choose between uh, the two options, you have to choose between the treatment which is uh, uh, not frequently uh, efficient. The overall response rate of pembrolizumab is only roughly uh, 20%. But for pay, for responding patient, this response could last for a very prolonged period with very long time, sometimes uh, 36 to 40 months. Um, and uh, if, you, if, you, if you want to use uh, the conventional chemotherapy with cisplatinum, cetuximab, and doxetaxel, you know that at 12 weeks, the probability of response is 80%, but the probability of uh, a prolonged overall survival is very weak. So I think that we will have to use the, 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 the concept of emergency of urgent patient. For example, a patient with a local relapse, uh, uh, potentially compressive or with a risk of hemorrhage, uh, will require a very highly and fastly uh, response and very highly and rapidly uh, efficient treatment like uh, cetuximab and cisplatinum. But conversely, if you have only lung metastasis, with no emergency, I think that pembrolizumab alone will be a good option. Another criteria to choose the treatment, it is a PD-1 uh, uh, status, because we know that uh, a PD-1 um, above uh, 20 uh, is a good pronostic factor of, um, a predictive factor of uh, pembrolizumab efficacy. And uh, pembrolizumab under uh, one or near to zero is a good pronostic is not a good pronostic factor for pembrolizumab efficacy. So we will have uh, in our two more board. I think that we will uh, debate uh, with the uh, uh, emergency of the situation, the clinical emergency, with the uh, uh, PD1 expression rate, and uh, uh, with the uh, toxicity, the, the uh, predictable toxicity of cisplatinum. And if you mixed all these criteria, I think that we will choose uh, uh, maybe the good treatment, but at least uh, the, the, the treatment which is uh, reasonably efficient, reasonably uh, uh, easy to use. Wonderful, thank you. So for those that receive a checkpoint inhibitor first line, should this influence decisions at second line? For example, if a person received pembrolizumab and chemotherapy as first line, should they receive nivolumab monotherapy following progression? I do believe that it is a burning issue of head and neck metastatic patient. Because when you when you begin the treatment, you know, as I said, that pembrolizumab could be efficient, highly efficient, but in very low proportion of patients. 
So you know that in 80% of patients, of non-responding patients, you will have to change the treatment after two or three injections of clomerulizumab. It means one month, two months of treatment. And you know that if the patient is a progressive patient, you will have to decide very rapidly of the second line. So I do believe that when you begin the treatment in a first line metastatic patient, you have to be sure of the treatment sequence. You have to know before the first line what your second and maybe your third line will be. Uh, it's the crucial point of the treatment sequence uh, in, in such a situation, and we we know as well that um, for the patient re receiving uh, cisplatinum or pembrolizumab plus um, sorry receiving cetuximab or pembrolizumab plus, plus platinum, platinum resistance will uh, occur quite rapidly. I mean, after three months of treatment, if the patient is not responding, and if you use this platinum, you can consider that it's a resistance to platinum. And we know that uh, 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 platinum resistance in such a situation is maybe the worst pronostic factor for overall survival. So you have to change the treatment before the three months of platinum use. Uh, and to do so, to do all this, do all this job, you have to be sure of what you are going to do before, what you are going to do before the treatment, before the first line. If you want to use cisplatinum and pembrolizumab, I think that do not use it more than two cycles, and you have to switch very rapidly from non-responder patients to, for example, a TPEX protocol in second line. And in third line, uh, in this condition, you will use maybe nivolumab, or pembrolizumab again if the, if the uh, PDF status is superior to 50% and so on. But we have to, be, to decide before the sequence of the treatment. It's the burning issue now for head and neck carcinoma. Okay, perfect. Thank you. So finally, do you see standard practice changing in HNSCC over the next few years? Will we see immunotherapy becoming standard first-line therapy in all patients, regardless of pdl one status? Or, in Europe, will this remain a biomarker-directed treatment option? So, so I take my crystal ball and I will say how I see the future. Um, I think that it will be difficult to say that immunotherapy will be a standard treatment because the, the standard treatment, once again, it's only 20% of response. I think that we have to go um, to the common sense based medicine and not systematically there uh, to, um, to the, the evidence-based medicine because there is more medicine than evidence in the head and neck carcinoma patient uh, situation. Um, I think that uh, we uh, are waiting for some clinical trial in first-line treatment in locally advanced disease. Uh, this clinical trial are testing, are currently testing uh, uh, the impact of uh, uh, immunotherapy with radiotherapy. And if this phase three study uh, uh, come back positive, I think that it, it will change uh, the first-line treatment in metastatic condition and, and so on. Uh, we already know that uh, Javelin clinical trial with Avelumab is negative. We have some uh, negative information as well about uh, uh, pembrolizumab um, radiotherapy and 
So I, I'm not sure that uh, immunotherapy will be used with a com radiotherapy combination, uh, but we have to wait uh, uh, all the clinical trial to be sure. I think in the near future, we will have to work off the uh, survival, survivorship concept, because we know that there are three phases in, in for a survivor patient, the acute phases with the diagnosis and the treatment, the extended phases with question about quality of life and the, the, the real interest of the, the treatment they received, and the, 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 the third phase with a, a, a the survivorship realized that you will have to live with the, the cancer. In, in third phases, it will be absolutely crucial to work on um, job on rehabilitation, on job, on quality of life, on uh, uh, treatment of the sequelae of the treatment, uh, and, and so on. So the question will be not only to use uh, uh, and chemotherapy to prolong the overall survival, but to give to the prolonged overall survival a real good quality of, uh, of life. Wonderful. Thank you so much for that informative answer. And thank you so much again for joining us today, Dr. Peyrard. So um, it was a real pleasure to discuss with you uh, about head and neck carcinoma today. And uh, I just have to say thank you to everybody and goodbye from uh, from the French Riviera. Bye-bye. So that brings us to the end of today's episode. To summarize, experts suggest ICI monotherapy will be sufficient in first line for most non-urgent patients, or even more urgent patients with high PDL one expression levels. However, it is important to decide upfront what later line therapies will be for those who are non-responders. Again, if you'd like to check out any of the publications that we've mentioned today, you'll find references for these in the episode notes. So the next episode in our immune checkpoint inhibitor series will be out in two weeks time and we'll be discussing the use of immunotherapy in breast cancer. If you enjoyed today, please do subscribe and join us then. And if you have time to leave us a review, we'd love to hear your feedback. If you want more, you can also find free accredited continuing medical education modules on our website on kip.com. And you can find a link to this in the episode notes. So please do check it out. If you're a Twitter fan, our handle is at Onkip.